Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. Good to see you here today. I hope you'll make it a point to connect in a point group. I was just checking them out, the uh, version, and I think I found one, so we'll see if they'll let me in. Uh, wait to see if they'll let me uh, come along. Hope you'll get connected, be a part of a point group, and um, be a great, great way to grow. Uh, Judges chapter 16, if you would, turn to your, your Bibles there today or your, your Bible app or uh, whatever you brought today. Um, I want to share just uh, wrapping up this series called Taming the Wild. Uh, we're looking at the life of Samson, and so we're going to look at the end of chapter 16. Uh, these chapters in Judges 13 to 16 uh, encompass the life of Samson. He was the final judge uh, of that area of God's, the, the territory of God's people before the people cried out for a king. And then the, the kings came along. But Samson played this part of being a ruler or a leader, protector for God's people. He was called of God to do it. And uh, God had used him. And uh, Samson, of course, had uh, just a turn of events. We've looked at some of that. But we're going to look at the end of uh, uh, his life now. As we wrap up this series, Taming the Wild. Would you stand with me? And let's read together Judges 16, starting... In verse 21. So the Philistines captured Samson and gouged out his eyes. That sounds pleasant. They took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. But before long, his hair began to grow back. Aren't you thankful that God knows how to bring a comeback? His hair began to grow back. And you might be saying, well... What in the world? I've been trying to grow hair and it's not working for me. What are you talking about? Uh, if you're not familiar with Samson's story, Samson, of course, in losing his hair, represented losing the strength that God had for him. you got to go back and read all of chapter 16, and we won't do that today. But uh, referring to that, that Samson lost his strength, but his strength began to come back. And uh, there's a God who's faithful to bring back even those things that are lost. Verse 23, the Philistine rulers held a great festival offering sacrifices and praising their God, Dagon. They said, our God has given us victory over our enemy, Samson. When the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, our God has delivered our enemy to us. The one who killed so many of us is now in our power. The one who killed so many of us is now in our power. I want to share in this last uh, message in Taming the Wild, I'm going to share from this title today, Take a Second Look. Take a Second Look. Father, I pray that you would help us today, God, to not see things as they are, God, but that we would see according to your power and your promise of what you are able to do and what you desire to do. So do it, we pray, Holy Spirit. Uh, God, I pray that this, this time in your word, Lord, let us not just go through the motions. I pray, God, that we would not just just have our minds uh, uh, here, but God, let our minds be attentive. I pray, Holy Spirit, let the words that, that are spoken be yours, and let the, the voice that we hear be your voice, and let the actions that come forth be your will. We pray this in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, would you say amen? Amen. amen. And just hug somebody beside you as you're being seated and tell them today, look again, look again. 
take a second look. Sometimes a second can make a whole big difference. Seconds can change a whole situation. You, you watch sometimes the games, and there are times that uh, the game on the clock has now gone to seconds. And when you think of just seconds, 12 seconds, it doesn't seem like much to work with. But 12 seconds is still time on the clock to do something with. That taking the seconds and giving it a second look sometimes, that God can work in those second moments. The seconds can save a life or even save dignity. I was uh, coming out of uh, Staples a number of uh, weeks ago. It's been a, been a while ago, probably last year sometime. And uh, I had gone into Staples whenever we have some of our planning meetings and I get these ideas and we bring the team together in our planning meetings. I want to just share ideas. I went to Staples one day and I bought the big post-it note, that the, the easel board post-it note. You know where you can write, write big on that big post-it note and then you can hang it on the wall and bring everybody together and we're going to dream these ideas. I'd gone into Staples, picked up my big uh, uh, post-it note, easel uh, pad, and I'm walking it out. Just a beautiful day, looking at the mountains, walking outside. The sun is shining. I'm excited. I cannot wait to get to the planning meeting. I can't wait to share the ideas. My mind is just on what today is going to bring. And as I'm walking towards the car, I pull out my fob, and I begin to push the button a couple times, because I don't know if you're like me, that you're prepared that when you get to the car, it's definitely unlocked. Are there any other more than once unlocked pusher button people? You know what I'm talking about. It's like the whole way in motion. I'm making sure the door's unlocked. I can't wait for the day to begin. We're going to have a great team meeting. I get to the door, and as I go to open the door, my, my trance of the excitement of the day is now broken because the door is locked. And when I open, or I, I, I finally come to and realize the door's locked, something's wrong, I look up, and here is a woman sitting in the front seat She's smiling at me, and I thought, what is going on? So no longer am I thinking about the meeting. I'm now thinking, what's going on? Is somebody setting me up? She just has this smile on her face sitting in the front seat. I'm looking around. I'm thinking, surely this is a setup. Maybe this is this camera thing. You know, we got you on camera. So I look up and look around to see what's happening, and when I look around, I don't see anyone else joining in the laughter. I don't see any cameras. I don't see anything except my car on the other side of her car. I had gone to the wrong car to get inside the car. Now, I think she knew what was happening because she just sat there smiling like this guy's about to make an idiot out of himself. She let me go the whole way to the door, opened the door to look at her. It was one of those moments had I given it a second look, I could have saved some dignity in my humiliation as I, I don't know what color my face turned, probably red, because I do that naturally, and I make my way sheepishly to my car, smiling, saying, I'm a fool. <laughs> the second look can make a difference. The, the second look can, can open up the opportunities, and when you see things the way it looks, there's room for a second look. We find Samson in a situation that he has now allowed himself to be put into. Samson's the heroic one that I love the stories of what he's able to do, and, and he does great things. He defeats the Philistine army all by himself. He's wonderful. He wakes up one day, beats the whole bunch of stuff out of a thousand Philistines, and then the next day goes into Gaza and sleeps with a prostitute. What, what, what Samson? 
you, you've got this moment that you, you got the potential for greatness and you're moving towards and then you make these decisions and Samson, what, what is it? We read last week, he's in the lap of Delilah and he reveals his secret or says where his strength comes from and she lures him in and he falls foolish to it. The woman in Sorek, a place of, of vines and wine, and he's not supposed to be there, falling in love with this woman who's trying to set him up, and he should have known, but he lets himself get in this situation. His hair gets cut off, and here he is, left weak like everybody else. He thought he would get up and do what he had always done before because he'd always just been through these situations. He always had these moments. He just did whatever he did, and he'd go to church, worship, but then just do whatever he was going to do because it always just worked that he did what he did before. He would just always do, but then a moment in time, he did not realize that the Spirit of God had left him. That moment that it looked like he would just keep doing what he was always doing, we find him now in this place where he is now with his eyes gouged out, captured by the Philistines, tied up in chains, and now forced to push a millstone that would grind the grain and basically become a servant to the Philistines that God called him to defeat. On paper, it looked like Samson was done. On paper, in fact, when I read the life of Samson, I'm thinking, God, I know you had great things for this man, but he missed the mark. And you just read in Judges up to Ch Judges chapter 16, it's like, Samson, how in the world could God do anything with this? But then you go to Hebrews chapter 11, and if you know what Hebrews chapter 11 is, Hebrews chapter 11 is where the writer of Hebrews begins to say how faith is in action in people's life. And he lists Noah and goes into detail about Noah, what Noah did. And by faith, Noah did this. By faith, Abraham did this. By faith, he lists all these people that by faith they did these things. And then right around verse 32 of Hebrews chapter 11, he says, and because of time, I can't even tell you about other such people. And then he begins to list who those other such people are and he says in there Samson Samson makes the list for the people who had great faith and did great things but Samson on paper he was messed up aren't you thankful that when it looks a certain way on paper that God says it looks that way but I'll give it a second look Aren't you thankful that God is a God who looks at things not just the way they are at first, but a God who says, I know how to bring second chances. I know how to bring second opportunities, second moments in life. There are people that at times that get a report from the doctor and something that's found out. Oftentimes they'll go to someone else because they're looking for a second opinion. Sure, they might be looking for a second opinion because they want to hear a better report than they heard the first time. I wouldn't blame them. Why not? We want to hear for a better report, but more than just looking for a better report, we look for a second opinion because the second opinion tells us or confirms what it is that we're really dealing with, what it is that's really taking place, what it is that's really going on in our lives because it looks a certain way, but just because it looks a certain way doesn't mean we have all the facts or that we have all the details or that it's all complete because God has a different perspective that it might look like this for us, but God is able to see something different. Verse 24, what we just read, it said, every time they looked at Samson, every time they saw Samson, they said, praise be to Dagon God. That was their God, Dagon. They said, praise be to Dagon God. He has given us victory over our enemy, Samson. 
And they threw a party because they had Samson in captivity. And every time they saw Samson, they said, praise be to our pagan, daggone God. Now, they didn't say pagan because they didn't believe he was a pagan. But daggone was a pagan God. It was, he's not the real God. There's only one God who's been the God throughout, throughout all of history. Only one God. They began to worship. And every time they saw Samson, you know what? That could have been the end of his story. But God showed up. And now this time, whenever they see Samson and think of Samson, it wasn't connected to what their daggone God did, but now it's connected to what the real God has done. If you read the rest of the story, and for the sake of time, I'll just give you the summary. Samson, of course, is taken in captivity. They throw a party. We read that part. They're throwing a party. You know why they're throwing a party? Because they have Samson right where they want him. They're throwing the party for Samson or for, for their people unto God because their own God because they've captured Samson. And then they said, bring Samson out because we want him to amuse us. We want him to entertain us. Let's all make a sport of Samson. They bring Samson out and Samson is brought out. His eyes are, are gouged out. He can't see and he's led out by a young servant. And the servant brings him and he says to the servant, put my hands or put me between two pillars that support the temple. And this temple where they were worshiping the Dagon God, they have this temple where they're the top level. It says there are 3,000 people on the top level, and they're throwing this celebration and this party. And we don't know how many people are on the bottom level. Samson is placed in that area, and as he's standing there, he calls out to God. And this is many times what we know Samson for. He pushes the pillars, and when he pushes the pillars, the Bible says that in that moment, he killed even more in his death than he did in his living. There was a victory that occurred that God brought victory and we see what God was able to do. But here's where we find Samson. We find Samson in a place where he is blind, he's now in the grind and he's being led by a boy to a party that is all about showing how bad and how horrible he has it right now. Have you ever been in life's moments where it feels like Everything is against you. You know, one of the most difficult places to be in life is a place where it feels like there's no hope. Have you ever felt it? Have you ever felt the moment where it feels like in this marriage there's no hope, it's not going anywhere? Ever had the moment where it feels like in a relationship there's no hope? In this job, in this place, in this circumstance, this situation, there's no more dangerous place to be than a place that feels like there is no hope. Hope. And you know why it feels like there's no hope? Because every condition, the current conditions that surround us, all point on paper like everything is falling apart, everything is bad, and we have no hope. Now, we know that's not the case, but it takes faith to get there. But I want to encourage us today to recognize that here's Samson in the middle of the grind, in the middle where he's just trying to make it. You know what? I believe sometimes we get stuck in life where we're just trying to make it. We get stuck in the grind of life, the grind of just trying to get from one day to the next, to just try to, to get through the grind. Uh, how many times are we looking, and our best effort is just to get by. I would challenge and encourage you that God did not call you to live a life of just getting by. He wants you to live a life of abundance. He doesn't want your marriage just to get by. He wants your marriage to be filled with his abundance, with his joy, with his, with his presence. He doesn't want your, your family, your situation, your finances. He doesn't want the things in your life just to get by. 
He wants to fill you with life and life more abundantly. How many believe that he's a God who has more, a God who has significant things, and a God who has desires and things for our life? In the midst of the current circumstances, and I know when the current circumstance happens, it's hard to see that. It's hard to see that when the current circumstance on paper says this, difficulty, whatever the grind, whatever it might be, that God is, is, is faithful and not giving up. Samson never saw himself being in this place. This wasn't the thing that he would see or think would be the case, but I want to encourage you that whatever the grind, the place that you're in, to let ourselves know that he is a God. Yes, there's oftentimes we're in the grind of life and we're in circumstances and situations, and let's just be real. Sometimes we're there because of our own foolish decisions. Sometimes we're there because of decisions, choices we've made. We know in Samson's case, without a doubt, Samson, you contributed to being in the condition that you're in. You caused this. This wasn't the intent and the purpose. This isn't what God desired or what God saw. Your current circumstance and your current situation, that's not what God wants for you. Your just get by moment, I don't know what it is in your life that you feel like you just need to get by. If you can just pass it off, if you can just make it. God didn't design that, but their circumstances now have led to that place. And now you're in that area where it feels like you're just grinding, just trying to get through, just trying to make it, just trying to make another day, just trying to make it work. It wasn't God's desire, but Samson's choices put him in this place. And here's Samson in the place of getting by and having to struggle, knowing that this wasn't God's will for him. And even though this wasn't God's will for him, we can easily say, well, Samson, you got this because of punishment. Now, there's something wrong whenever we leave punishment just connected to what we've done in the past. How many have ever had consequences to a dumb choice you've made. When I was, we did high school assemblies, we used to ask students, one of the ways we'd start the, the assemblies, how many have ever done something stupid, right? Yeah. When you're in high school, they're like, oh, yeah, I did that. You know, it's like, they're, like, proud of it. Like, they want to, like, shit, oh, yeah, I did that. Each and every one of us have moments where we've been foolish. And you know what? There are moments where there are consequences that come with the decisions that we've made. There's consequences that occur, but what I want you to hear today is God doesn't allow consequences just to punish. God allows those things to give us a new perspective. When you're in life's grind and it feels like things are going against you, God allows those things. Now, God allowed at that moment for the Spirit of God. It left Samson. It wasn't just because he lost his hair. Samson started in this process and spiraling and there was a moment where the Bible says God will not contend with the heart of man forever. God's not going to contend with our foolishness, with our just going about and just expecting it's going to be the way it's always been. And God's not going to let us go. God's going to sometimes let some things happen in life to get our attention. And sometimes when God gets our attention, it feels like, ah, the grind. God allows some things sometimes in life to get our attention. It's not always connected to those punishments. It's connected to perspective. Here's what I want you to see in this shift. Because what we do in our culture, and here's how I know we do it in our culture. Because our judicial system is set up this way. I know we do it in our culture this way because we look at the crime, at the issue that we have, and we look to make sure that the punishment fits the crime. I'm not saying that's not appropriate. But if all we do is try to match the crime, that's not what real punishment is meant to do. 
Real punishment is not meant to just match the crime. Real punishment is meant to bring life change and transformation so that it gives someone a different perspective so they don't continue doing what they did before. Now, anytime, and let me tell you why this is important. Because if we look at punishment, of course, just I want us to know this is important because if we don't see God in his grace and mercy, if we don't see this, then we're really saying there's no hope. The Bible says this, that if anyone confesses their sins before God, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He is faithful and just. You see, justice without Jesus is just vengeance. Let me say that again. Justice without Jesus is just vengeance. And if we live our lives in a place of making sure we just pay for what we've done in the past, listen, there are consequences that need to be connected with what's in the past. Yes, there's justice, but not only is he just, but he is also faithful. You know what that means? God says, I'm not just going to look at you to make sure that we deal with what you've done in the past. I'm going to look at you, and when I see the sin, the next time you have the opportunity to be be made new in Christ. And when he looks at me again, he sees the blood of Jesus Christ. And when he sees Jesus, Jesus, now there becomes a life change, and now he sees me, and I'm in Christ, and now there is faithfulness, and he is faithful and just to forgive me. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I want you to have hope. You might be in a hopeless situation, but there is one who he gave to give us hope that that hope might remain, and his name is Jesus Christ, that he says there is no place in your life that you're ever without hope. That he is not just a God of, and in fact, he says, vengeance is what? Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I'll be the God who repays. You know why? Vengeance is his to repay? Because he knows how to do it with both faithfulness and justice. He knows how to do it in faithfulness and just. Not only to fit the crime for what's been done in the past, but he knows how to make it give a new perspective. So it's not just connected to punishment. It's with perspective so that there can be life change because he is a God who wants to make you new. Tell somebody beside you today, tell him he's making you new. Yeah, and thank God for it, right? Don't say that part. That would be. He's the God who's making us new. This is his desire in, his, in our lives that he would make us new. That this is not just punishment. I, I think this is important because there are times when I've heard people say, Pastor, I don't know what I did to deserve this. And I would say, you know, I don't know that that's the answer, the question to ask right now. Because no matter what we did in our past to deserve, that might answer where we are. But we'll never even find a great answer. All I know is this, that he's a God who can work in any situation. And no matter what my current condition is, it doesn't have to be my continued condition. In fact, just get that in your spirit today. Your current condition does not have to be your continued condition. Just because it's your current condition doesn't mean it has to be your continued condition. That whatever it might be that you find this grind and this work, we are in ourselves not able to accomplish all that God has for us. Samson, early on in in the book of, of, of Judges, Judges 16, this is the part where he goes into Gaza, which is Philistine territory, and he spends the night with a prostitute. We all agree that was not a wise thing. Amen? Please say amen a little louder than that. Just checking. He spends the night with a prostitute, and, and here it is. They, they were waiting to kill him. Read it at the beginning of chapter 16. And as he's there, 
Um, the Bible says they waited for him to come out in the morning to kill him. The Philistines did. But Samson didn't wait till the morning. Samson woke up in the, at midnight and left the city or left the place. The reason I think he woke up at midnight is because the conviction of God was upon him. I believe he knew this is not what God has for me. And you know what he did under that conviction, that anguish, that, that guilt, that trouble? The Bible says that on his way out, he tore out posts that were to a gate. And when he tore out these posts, he put them over his shoulder and he carried them toward Hebron. Now, you can go back and read it. He carried these on his shoulder. You know what he's representing? He's representing a part or a type of Christ. You know why? Because you and I know what it's like in moments where our desires are not our current situation, but we're looking for a promise and a place of hope. And here's why Hebron is a place of hope or a place of promise is because that's where Caleb was given a promise that you'll be given this land. And so Hebron means a place of promise. And how many know that there's a lot of people today looking for a promise? They're looking for the fulfillment. We're looking for something. And and when we get into the grind of life, the frustration, the, the difficulty, here's what, here's what he does. The Bible says he grabbed those posts and put them over his shoulder. You know what that represents? It represents the cross of Jesus Christ that was carried on his shoulder and taken to a place that was Hebron, a hill of promise. The only problem is that's all he could do. He could just go through the grind. But there is one who came and saw you and I in our anguish, our guilt, our defeat, and he took the post of hell, of death, and he put it on his shoulder. He went to another hill of promise called, called Calvary. And as he was on the top of that place, he died and gave his last breath. But he didn't just die. The Bible says he was taken and put into the grave. And one day he laid there. Two days he laid there. And on the third day, he rose again, which says to you and I that we have this hope and this promise that no matter the grind that's on our shoulders, no matter the weight and the struggle that we carry, there is one who is already carried it and who overcame and what you're carrying right now is nothing for our God to overcome and to give victory I feel excitement I don't know if anybody else does what he carried I don't know what's on your shoulder you know what he said if anyone comes to me take up your cross guess what you're gonna have something to carry in life guess what you're gonna have a grind in life Guess what? There's going to be something you're going to carry. He says, take up your cross and follow me. I don't know what you're carrying today. And when you're carrying the cross, it doesn't mean that we don't have to struggle in life. It means we can struggle with hope, even if on paper it doesn't look good. But he's a second chance or a second glance, a second look, that it might not look good now, but God's not done working because the one who carried his cross to a hill of promise gave his life and he rose again, which means I can carry my cross because I know I have hope in Jesus Christ. If he defeated death, hell, and the grave, there's no cross on my back that he won't give me victory over. Let me give you some perspectives that I believe today, whatever you're walking through, whatever the grind is in your life, whatever the grind is in your life, I'll tell you what the grind is for me sometimes. No, I won't. Stop it, Jason. Stay focused. Okay. I will. I always have a conversation with myself, and it's usually good when I listen to my voice. <laughs> Plural. Um, no, I'm kidding. Just kidding. You know what's interesting, though? Paying attention. Some are like, wait, what's he saying right now? i gotta, I got to engage again. What, what's going on? Let me give you a perspective here for Samson because it looked like hope was gone. And I don't know what looks like hope is gone in your life. I don't know what feels like there's something up against the wall. But you see it. But I would encourage you to take a second look. 
Let me give you a number one according to Samson's current situation. Here's where we find Samson. Here's his current situation. Number one, he's blind. They gouged out his eyes. This has got to be one of the most unpleasant experiences. As he loses his vision, you know what? Everything he had confidence in before is now gone. Here's what you can write down. It looks like he lost his vision, but what's really happening is God is teaching him how to become new. God is making things new in his life. Here's why. Samson had a confidence before that was in his own strength. But when your vision's gone, that which you had confidence in before is no longer there. And how many know when your confidence is gone in something, that's called a crisis. A crisis is when something that you once had confidence in is no longer in the same place it was. And when you feel your confidence is shifted, that creates a crisis. And many people come to Jesus because of crisis. It's just a reality. Crisis drives us to a place of I need hope because what I was believing in is not working. It's not sustaining. And so I need something of stability. And oftentimes God will allow us to lose sight. He'll allow us to lose sight of what we once had confidence in so we can gain new vision or new perspective on something that, that has more confidence. There's a difference. You see, when Samson had his vision and he could see, all they would have to say to Samson is, hey, Samson, the Philistines are coming. And how many know what Samson did? The moment he heard the Philistines were coming, Samson's just, he saw the enemy and he reacted to the enemy. He just used the strength that he had. He just saw and reacted. And oftentimes we live in life and we just see and react. But there's a difference when God allows some things that we have confidence in to be taken away. Sometimes it's a job. Sometimes it's situations, whatever it might be. When God allows some things that we had confidence in, those things become removed. What's happening now is we're going from seeing and reacting to now learning how to sense and respond. There's a difference between the two. There's a difference between seeing and reacting and sensing and responding. Here's the difference. When you see and react, you see according to what you see and you react in your own strength. But when you have to sense, you now learn how to see according to God's perspective, according to what he is saying, and now you respond not according to your own strength but in the strength that comes from God. Learning in life that sometimes when you're in the grind and the difficulty and the the cross that you're carrying, that God is allowing those things in life sometimes. He's allowing us to learn how to have a confidence in what really remains, what really holds. Let me give you number two. First one is he wants us to have a new, or wants us to realize he's making all things new. He's given us a new way to walk. Samson became blind that moment. He had to learn a new way to walk, right? Before I get to number two, let me just say this. If there's something going wild in your life, don't think continuing to do the same things you've done is going to get you back where you need to be. You're going to have to learn a new way to walk. You're going to have to learn a new way to think. You're going to have to learn a new way to respond. And that new way to respond is to not allow, is to recognize what you may have put confidence in before. Cannot hold, but your confidence needs to be in Christ. Let me move on to number two. So second thing that we see the situation that he has is that he is, he's made to grind the, the, the grain. And here is Samson now with his hair cut off his eyes plucked out, and he's now grinding, and he would be pushing this huge stone, this millstone that would roll in a circle, and it was his job now to push, and now he's grinding. He's grinding the grain, and it literally means this, that when something is being ground, when you're grounding something, it's going through the grinding process, it means to become weakened. It means to become weakened. 
literally for grain, the stuff that holds the grain together, that even provides some protection. It's the grain. It's what, what puts it all in place that in order to get to the actual grain, they've got to crush and move and separate it from things that are there, that there is a strength. And it looks like now for Samson, his current condition is that he's grinding under the struggle and the strain of having to push this grind. That's what it looks like. But on a second look, on a second look, what really is happening is God is allowing him to become weak so that he can really become strong. Because how many know the scripture says that in in our weakness, his strength becomes perfect? That there's a process. Sometimes God allows things in our lives that need to break us down because until we get broken down, we can't really get fixed. Now, God doesn't come to break you, but how many know the Bible says that a broken and contrite heart, he will not despise. That he'll allow sometimes the brokenness, those places, that he's a God will show up in that place, and it looks like you're weak But on a second glance, on a second look, it's not that you're weak. It's that God's given you a strength that is not your own. Notice what Samson did in his own strength that really came from God. The Bible says that he was able to defeat defeat a thousand Philistines with his own strength. He saw, he responded. He whooped up, he took care of business. He defeated a thousand. But guess what he did, or look what he did at the end of his life. The Bible says that there were 3,000 on the top floor And we don't know how many were on the bottom floor. But Samson pushed the pillars that held that building, that temple, where they were worshiping the daggone God. And he pushed against those pillars. And the Bible says that it killed more in his death than when he was alive. Listen, it means that in Samson's moment of weakness, he did even more than he did in his strength. And even when you think you're strong, You didn't get that by yourself. Here's Samson's problem. He could have done a lot more in his life, but even when he had strength, he forgot that that strength came from God, and it was his strength. That's why he could just do whatever he wanted. That's why he'd fight God's enemy one day, but sleep with a prostitute the next, because it was his strength. It was his to do with. It's my money to do with. It's my life. It's my situation. It's mine. I can do whatever I want. It's my life. He did not realize what came from God. And God wants us to realize that what we can do in our strength, in ourselves, is nothing compared to what we can do in our weakness in God and his strength working through our weakness. It is not, there is no comparison of what God is able to do. You know why? Because his strength is much stronger than yours. His, his thinking is much, much smarter than yours. His ways are much higher than yours. That in our weakness, God is working and he's bringing about strength. Does that make sense? Ask your neighbor right now. Ask him, does that make sense? Just ask him, did you hear what he said? Did you? Make sure you ask the right person that's listening. They might want to. Like, let me give you number three. Number three, we, we see that the next current condition we see of Samson is Samson is, is now in this place where a boy is having to lead him. Now, keep in mind, here's the guy who whooped up on thousands of Philistines and now has to be led out by a servant which probably would have been something like a junior high kid. Do you see this? The guy who was able to defeat Philistines by by the hundreds is now having to be led out by the hand by a boy. And the current condition, everybody else would have seen that happening, and everybody said, man, look how far Samson fell. Look how weak he is. Look how much he lost. You know what I think Samson learned how to see? It looks like I've become so weak, but instead of seeing that I've become so weak that I need to be led by a boy, 
I now realize, God, thank you that you provided someone in my life to let me know that I'm not alone. Number three is what you need to know in this perspective is whatever you're going through, you are not alone. I've got people in my life, and I'm a transparent person. I don't mind counseling. I love counseling, and I love being counseled. I don't have a problem with it. In fact, I, I'll ask people, not anybody. You've got to make sure you ask the right people. Hey, man, what do you see? What, how, how, what can we do better? What can we do? I remember one time calling a pastor, and wasn't planning on unloading to him, but I had uh, just, we were in conversation, and then he asked me the question, so, man, how you doing? And I had the response of, man, I'm doing good. He said, no, man, how you really doing? I'm like, oh, you mean like for real, how you doing? And I began to just share some struggles and some things that were going on and, and stuff taking place. And as I began to share that, I, uh, I, you know, it's one of those things like, oh, man, why am I sharing this? He's going to think I'm so weak, you know, I'm so, I'm, I, you know, the, this stuff that's going on. And he says on the other line, and first he laughs. I'm like, buddy, that's not real sympathetic, you know. But the only thing I remember he told me that day, the only thing I remember, he said, Jason, I've been there too. Do you know what he told me in a moment? You're not the only one. You're not alone. What you're going through, here's the danger when we allow the enemy to make us feel like we're the only one who ever fell into this pit. We're the only one that ever had this situation. We're the only one. You know why that becomes the issue? Because then we go into cover-up and hiding mode. Let me just give a warning to you. If you're always looking over your back because you don't want anybody to see or you're in a place of hiding, that's a first case. You better be careful because you're letting yourself get isolated. And the isolation is separating you from the place of, of, of being able to be healthy and being able to have good relationships, being in, in, able to be in a place of knowing God puts people in our lives because we need to know we're not alone. Tell somebody beside you, you're not alone. You don't even know where they've been, and you don't know where they've been, but I can guarantee you this, whatever your grind is today, you're not the only one that's ever been there. Can I tell you that? Let me tell you why that's important, because when that pastor told me I've been there, you know what I heard? There's hope. There's hope. And how many know hope is what makes all the difference? There's hope. Worship team's coming, and we're going to close with this one. Let me, let me give you this, this last one. Here's the last one. This is the condition we see Samson in. As he's led out, he's put between these two pillars. And as he's put between these two pillars, he says to this young servant, lean me up against the pillars. And he begins to push against these pillars and sees it fall down. Just kind of like you heard right there was, heard something. Um, the walls and everything began to fall. And in that moment, there were thousands of Philistines killed. How did Samson in his life, so messed up, end up getting in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith? I mean, I know you'd say, well, yeah, Jason, Samson, or uh, Noah was, was a drunk, and so he had issues. And even Abraham, he lied and didn't always trust God, lied about his, his wife being his sister. And, and so you can look at all of these people had issues. You're absolutely right. Aren't you glad even the people who serve Jesus in the Bible have issues? He said, oh, I absolutely am. There, there was a moment I thought, you know, that it was, it, it was, you know, you had to become so perfect for God to use you. I'm so glad he broke that lie over my life. 
Because God will use the broken, the weak. You know why? Because it's not about you, it's about him. God can use whatever messed up in your life that God can restore and take what was meant for evil and cause it to bring glory to God. He can take what other people have said, praise be to the daggone God. And God says, you can have your praise for a moment because the real praise is about to show up. You can have your praise in a moment, this temporary stuff. You can worship this stuff that's temporary. But Samson got to the hall of faith in chapter 11 of Hebrews. And it obviously wasn't because he had his act together. Let's be real. It wasn't even because he could kill thousands of Philistines. I mean, even what God told him to do, I don't think he completely did what God told him to do. I'll be honest with you. I realize, got to be careful reading into it, but when I read chapter 17, have a Bible study sometime on getting into Judges chapter 17, and now Micah sets up an idol, and he finds money from his mother. I ask the question. I'm not saying it's the case, but I just ask the question. Could that have been Samson's illegitimate child that should have been a part of the next army ready to defeat Philistines? But Samson dropped the ball. And now, the way we end the rest of the story, how many have ever read to the end of Judges? It's sick. Okay, I'll just tell you what, you still got to read it. But I mean, in there, they become so filthy. You know what it says over and over? Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Guess where it ends up? It ends up with one of the wives of Micah becoming raped and then left for dead. And then someone taking her dead body, them taking her dead body, cutting it up in pieces and sending it, pieces of it, of her body to the 12 tribes. Some of you are like, I'm out of this church. I can't believe that. It's in the Bible. And what it tells us is that sin, when left unattended or left un, un, unchecked by the, the Spirit of God, it will lead you to some troubling places. I'm telling you, Samson should, it should have ended with Samson. It should not have ended with someone being raped and cut up. It should have ended with Samson raising an army and his next generation, him handing the baton to now his son leading the army because it said that Samson would begin to rescue God's people. I believe what God wanted would have been for Samson to rise up to know God's power and to raise up a generation and now establish an army that would continue to move forward with the things of God. It was not God's plan for judges to end with that story but how many know God already knows everything from the beginning because God says when I look at them I see he's not going to go the way I want him but I'm not done with him he's not going to pull it off the way that it could go or ought to go but I know how to work with that and Samson ends up being listed in numbers or in Hebrews chapter 11 you know why I believe he's listed there not because he killed thousands of Philistines because God doesn't care what you do for him he cares more who you know him and walk with him what you do for God is not important as who you are who God is in you it wasn't because he killed many people you know why I believe he's in heaven or why yes he's saved absolutely someone said well did Samson make it to heaven obviously he's listed in Hebrews chapter 11 but I know the reason here's why he's in there because when he pushed down those pillars He had a faith, I believe, that now said, 
I put something on my shoulder and I did what I could do. But what I could do fell short. But I'm putting my faith in one who's going to come after me and who will do what I'm not able to do. Oh, there's an anointing on that word right there. Samson came to the realization, I've done what I can do, but I always fall short in my own strength. But now I'm putting my strength in the one who can do, the one who I believe is going to come after me somewhere down the line, that there's one that is spoken. I put my faith in the one who is coming. Guess what? We're on the other side of that. We now can put our faith in the one who has come, the one who not only carried his burden, our burdens on his shoulder to a top of a hill called a promise, but the one who gave his life and rose from the dead so no matter what you're carrying that he already conquered what he carried for you and I which means now whatever we're carrying he knows how to give us victory I believe when Samson stood between those he said with faith God give me power one more time Lord let me one more time and he began to push I know this is what Samson said I have faith because I might die in this moment but it's not the end it's not over this isn't the this isn't the end this is not the end of me the finish but my God the one in whom I believe the faith in him that he will give me new life that even in death I believe Samson came to a place and said I knew what I could do in my own strength but now I know that my faith is in one who can do what I'm not able to do I wonder today if there's someone who has faith who says God I might be in a situation I've got a grind I've got something on my shoulder I'm carrying a weight but I know that I have faith that you will bring me through and it looks like it's hopeless but I'm going to look again because I know you're producing in me something for your glory does that resonate with anybody this morning I wonder if anybody says I can agree with that I don't know what you're carrying today the enemy wants you to feel like you have no hope but I want you to know there's one who's already carrying all the weight of the world and he rose again so now your cross he knows how to give you